talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me wiser. Well, welcome back to Fight Club, everyone. We're so excited to be here with you this Tuesday morning. Um, as you know, oh, I'm going to turn my sound off. Goodness, getting some notifications coming through to interrupt me. <laughs> Goodness. Well, we are a group of self-employed industry experts covering four areas of business. We've got marketing, operations, employee management, and money. And we like to have this casual conversation each Tuesday to really help you find one area of your business to fight for this week. So we're really excited to have Joe with us today from Service Monster. And we'll go around Mm -hmm. real quick here and do our brief introductions. And we'll go ahead and get started. So my name is Taylor Maroney. I co-own a power washing company here in South Florida with my husband, and I've also been in marketing for about five years now, and welcome back to Fight Club. Joe, why don't you give everyone a brief little introduction about yourself? Um, Yeah, my name is Joe Kowalski. I'm the CEO of Service Monster. I started that in 2003, Um, and I'm a homesteader, been married 24 years, have six kids, uh, thriving business, and uh, trying to struggle through COVID like everybody else. <laughs> awesome. Nice to meet you, bro. Uh, my name is Megan, Megan Likes, and I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. I educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so they can live more financially rewarding lives. I also own an accounting company where we kind of fix that solution if you're allergic to money or if you don't really want to learn how to do your finances, you can outsource them to us. And I co-own a window cleaning company in Northern California with my husband, and we are in window season still but it should be gutter season we're almost in gutter season um and i'm happy to be here welcome to fight club (laughs) hey there joe good morning i'm michelle myers owner of pink collars the csr solution for your home service business and i'm super excited to talk to you about all things operations and how you used to own a company very similar to mine i'm super excited to hear about that so welcome to fight club (laughs) i didn't know that um (laughs) I'm Martha Woodward, and I'm co-founder of Quality Driven Software, and uh, I own a maid service in Oklahoma, and I run a course called Level Up, Build Teams That Give a Shit. So uh, anyway, welcome, Joe. And uh, if I look rude looking down, we always are sharing our, uh, (laughs) so that's what I'm doing. Once I get that out of the way, I'm done. So I'm going to pass it back to you, Tay. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Well, I think we're going to jump right in and start chatting about marketing. And I think it's really cool, Joe. I was um, doing some kind of preliminary research prior to the show and looking into some stuff on Service Monster. You guys pretty much have a built-in client success manager for your um, clients who purchase Service Monster, which is absolutely incredible when it comes to internal marketing to your clients because client retention is so important when it comes to building your business and building your company when you're especially when you're starting I mean I'm still fairly new in our business we're you know seven years um so I feel like we're still kind of a baby (laughs) but uh as far as you know building that clientele how have you seen that really help your clients be able to keep their their clients and continue to build more 
Yeah, I mean, I've been riffing on this for 17 years, so I could literally do a three-hour talk monologue straight on client retention. <laughs> um, the meat. Okay, we've got we've got three minutes. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> Go. <laughs> like, here's the meat. All right. Um, if you compare two companies, all matrix being identical, number of new clients in, number of repeat clients, percentage of repeat clients, average invoice, the whole nine. Company A at a 25% repeat rate will be stuck at 150K for eternity. Company B with a 60% repeat rate will be a million dollar business in eight years. This is the impact of compounding client retention. Everybody busts their ass to get new leads coming in the door. All the work that you do, the website set up, thinking about copy and content and distribution and creative. And then you go do the work. They're happy. They write a check. You're happy. You leave. Then what? Being that transactional (laughs) mindset is shooting the business owner in the foot. You will always be stuck on the truck, especially when your invoices are the $250, $300 range. And so... Client retention is so critical to a path of success and a path of getting off the truck. And I am always dumbfounded by how little effort business owners, especially service business owners, put into it. So knowing that one of the things that we did early on, like back in 2005, was start to offer a direct mail service, which automated your client retention efforts. And those, that program gets an 800% nationwide ROI. And it's not because the program's so awesome. I mean, it is awesome. It's a birth announcement like type thing in a card with the envelope and a stamp. That's, that's fine. But if you guys, if the service providers were to just do that on their own, they would get the same results mm-hmm. because you've got to do it and you've got to be consistent about it. Having a consistent client retention strategy in your business is your number one path to growth, period, full stop. <laughs> Wow. Is that three minutes? That was, that was under, under three minutes. That was, that. That was perfect. No, I, I can't agree with you, you more. My husband, until I joined him this year, he was that guy. He was stuck in the truck, consistently getting new clients and not able to really build that client retention because he just didn't have the time. It was him by himself working with maybe one employee every now and then whenever we could find one that was reliable. And that was like my biggest focus coming from a marketing background. Once I jumped on board with him was we've got to keep these people on year after year. And thankfully we're already seeing the major benefits from it, but it's like you said, it's something that is very, that's what I'm looking for. I guess just, it's just not spoken about. We don't talk about it as business owners as much as we should, that there's so much hidden value in that client retention Like, obviously we know the lifetime value of a client. We talk about that all the time, but as far as the programs to get you to that, you know, lifetime client number, it needs to be implemented immediately. And if that's something that you are struggling with this week in your business, I highly recommend taking some time to think about it and we will have some homework for you later on it. So I appreciate you giving me some time to talk about that, Joe. It was really insightful. I mean, the, and the other side that you alluded to is not just, um, retention is not just the fact that you'll be servicing continuously more and more and more clients and building on that foundation. That second visit is way more profitable. 
because it costs you, you know, depending on how good your marketing is and how much time and effort and energy you spend on it, you'll spend anywhere from 45 to $80 to get your foot in the door. And that cost comes directly out of that first invoice. And if you're doing client retention efforts, you're going to spend like five bucks on them, maybe over the course of a couple of years. And when they come back, that additional 45 or $80 goes in your pocket. So the margins on those subsequent jobs are so much higher than those first transactional opportunities. Um, that's where the money's at. So you have me leaning in, Joe. Uh, <laughs> I am I am a numbers nerd. I love talking about profitability in businesses, especially in my home service business. And I have been struggling for probably two years to to kind of figure out this model of recurring revenue in a window cleaning business. And I've, I've modeled a lot from maid service because my husband was the guy that would go to a job and like the customer agreed to three months later to get the windows clean again. And he'd look at him and be like, you know, I think you're okay. Let's wait another three months. And we, we went to the maid service and the maid service was like, no, 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 no. We clean, clean. It's called a maintenance clean. We do it on purpose. And like you said, that second cleaning is going to be so much more profitable, but not just from a lead and dollars perspective, also from an efficiency standpoint, you know, the property, you have good notes, you know, the customer, the chit chat's going to be less. You're going to be able to do that job faster because you're the one that did it last. And if we can increase frequency, we can increase recurring revenue and uh, we, and, and, and it makes the client stickier. So that client after, I'm sure there's statistics and it sounds like you're a data nerd. So I am like really excited to hear what you have to say. Um, but what I'm finding, and this is an awesome thing to be talking to you about is uh, CRMs are not very good about talking to us about um, who's a returning customer and who's a new customer. So is that something that Service Monster uh, thrives with? Is that something that you, you yeah, guys so have maybe on a dashboard? And like Taylor just said, oh yeah, we all know lifetime value. Like that's a really thing. I don't know a single window cleaning owner that knows lifetime value of their customers. Like they're all like, what? Math? No, thanks. You know, so, but if they could rely on a good CRM that actually has all that data and could do the math for them. So tell me about how you do these numbers in your CRM. And um, yeah, please just, Pitch me away because I'm really excited right now. <laughs> so, um, so you're right. I'm a complete data freak. I used to be an R&D biomedical polymer chemist. Science is my life. It's a hill okay. I will die on. I love it. Um, <laughs> I love it. And, late, and lately, the fight against science denial has been quite the battle. Um, because of that, and, and I never went to college. So when I wound up as an R&D chemist, um, I wound up there because of my love for data, because I was doing things on the manufacturing floor that the lab with their dual PhDs have never seen because they're taught and they go to school and they're taught how to do ABC and that's the path they take. I was too ignorant to do what they were doing. So I made up my own thing, which turned out to be pretty good for them. Um, but it's all centered around data and iteration, iterative cycles. I'm working on a, a coining a philosophy of incrementalism. Um, so I'm, I'm penning that now, but um, Service Monster in a lot of ways is a reflection of me. Um, and, and I really try hard to extract myself, especially over these last five years and get myself out of the way and let the amazing people we have run. But at the end of the day, the fabric of the company really is a reflection of me and what I want to put out there. 
And we have tons of data and dashboards and reports breaking down margins and what your recurring revenue is, both from a recurring um, scheduled work like made services or commercial work, as well as a program with a recurring payment structure. So you can set up something like, let's say a window cleaning like you're talking about and charge them monthly and come out and do a deep clean once a year and maybe come up with for quarterly touch-ups. Like you want to talk about sticky, how about just taking the money once a month and then going out and doing the work. And so all of those things set up appointment capacity and um, repeat rate, obviously repeat rates, a big one. Most people don't calculate repeat rate correctly. They'll take their months worth of work and they'll try to figure out how much of that work was repeat business and how much of that was new business. And then they'll do a little math and then that's their repeat rate. That's a horrific bastardization of that calculation. Here's an example that demonstrates it well. Let's say you get 50 new clients each month and you retain or you have 50 new clients come back to you every month. So you're totally servicing 100 clients within that month. And that's like clockwork, just goes in day in and day out. And then one day you have an amazing marketing campaign that drive 100 new leads to your door. Now your repeat rate, your repeat rate goes from 50% to 33% because you have an awesome campaign. Well, that's not right. Well, let's say that all of a sudden you, something hits COVID and you get no new business, just repeat business. Now your repeat rate's a hundred percent. So obviously there's something horribly wrong here. So what we do is we take a two year window. We take all the clients that you've serviced in that two years, minus like the first three months, right? Cause they haven't had a time to repeat yet. And then we ask the system, how many of those clients have ever used you more than once? And with that, we get a really solid repeat rate. A lot of people ask why two years. Our data shows that there's no intrinsic value in a client who hasn't used you for more than two years. Now, you can bend on this depending on the service, right? Let's say um, air duct. You might get three or four years out of that window because, again, you got to have time for the service to be ready to be redone. Um, but, you know... I, it all comes for me. That's why we focus on repeat rate so much, right? So yeah, it's full of data. We're known to be data heavy to the point where some people get nervous and scared and back away because it's too complicated. So system's super easy to use, but yes, we've got data and dashboard and reports galore to really help give you that insight into your business. Well, and that's the beauty of leveraging software and, and systematizing it is you don't, you can be afraid of it, but you don't have to do the math. Like that's right. you don't have to be good at math. We've got people who came before you who are much better at math than you are. And they're going to make sure that you're doing the calculations correctly. You just need to choose which metrics you're going to be watching and actually watch them. Um, so on your main dashboard, I always love to ask this when you do have somebody who um, with a CRM on the show, on your main dashboard, what are your standard metrics that you're showing? So you're going to make me log in now. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then okay. I'm kind of stepping on Michelle's toes. So I'm going to pass no. you to the systems girl next. No. But, take it, um, take it. It's fine. <laughs> but like typically I'd imagine we'd may probably see average ticket. Um, maybe we'll see like conversion rate or booking rate. Maybe some sort of capacity number. Yeah. So we've got um, a dashboard in every major screen, um, every major section. Right. So if you go on your home screen, you're going to see a handful of things. If you go into your account section of your 
app, you're going to see different things. So on the homepage itself, which is what you asked about, we have a company summary, which goes over your total revenue, number of orders, number of new client, or number of total clients served, and total number of new leads. And we display that for month to day, 30-day window, and a 90-day window. And then we do year-over-year comparison in that little chart. So you can see how much you're up or down percentage-wise compared to that same time period the year before. Obviously, we show you the total uh, appointments for the day and your uh, total uh, anticipated revenue, um, some progress indicators like tasks, pending activities, current invoices, and so forth. Um, we have a, um, a graph that shows sales by month. Uh, you can so you share can just... your screen if you want to. You can oh, share your screen. I yeah, could. I made you co-host. Yeah. If you want to pop it on the screen, we would yeah. happily look at it. We love seeing under yeah. the curtain or under the hood. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, are you guys seeing it now? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, yeah. So here's the company summary I was talking about. Here's your revenue, month-to-date revenue, right? And then your upper, un, over, under from the year before. Green means you're up, red means you're down. Uh, so we yeah. have that series of matrix of numbers. Um, sales by month, you know, really nicely broken down month to month. We've got your heat rate over your last 12 months, uh, both for commercial and residential. Your top performing campaigns over the last 90 days, who's responsible for bringing you the most leads. Um, and then, Beautiful. you know, helpful training. But if I jump into scheduling, for instance, here's our booking um, dashboard, which shows last month, how much money did you leave on the table? and How much did you book? This is a demo database. Obviously, I'm not logging into a, a client's database. <laughs> um, November, this is your current month, right? And so you see how much money you've lost versus how much is still left to be scheduled. And anything that was scheduled would be blue. And then in the next month, you've got the same thing. So it'll just be blue and white, right? So this will be blue and red. This will be red, white, and blue. And this will be blue and white. We also have your average margins for residential and commercial. If I hover over this, it'll show me the breakdown of COGS, labor costs, consumables, and depreciation. Um, appointment type breakdown. I mean, we, can, we could go on this forever, but... Um, <laughs> Wow. No, I mean, but the point is like, you know, you're a data nerd and you're going to make it easy for a home service owner to not necessarily become a data nerd, but get to know some numbers in their business. Be nerdy about data. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't want to scare people. Like you said, sometimes people put the stop on it because it's just too much, but you've made it colorful. You've made it easy. You've done all the behind the scenes data. So thank you for sharing that. Um, that that's awesome. And I'm excited. So I'm going to pass <laughs> you to Michelle because she loves to talk about systems. And we've been talking about <laughs> dashboards for like, I don't know, two months, it seems like on Fight Club. So that was kind of fun to see what you had as your standard. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, they're it. all over the place in the reports and we could just dig and dig and dig, but you get, you get the general idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. great. So we've got some you questions can... starting here too, it looks like. Oh, good. Um, Sarah Thompson wants to know if she's in maid service and wants to know if you have a master schedule that shows openings on a recurring basis. Um, I, I guess I don't understand the specific question. I mean, our scheduling portion is, you know, top notch. It's people spend 70% of their time in our product in the schedule. And so we, um, we focus on 70% of our resources, making sure the schedule is great. So lots of recurring, uh, capabilities, lots of, you know, on deck and waiting. Um, I encourage especially maid services to get a, a kind of an on deck list. Like maid services are really guilty of filling their schedule and then stop marketing. Uh, and then they're freaked out when they have to fire a client or they get let go. 
like having um, a backup list is empowering because it lets you fire that client that's a little creepy or that isn't paying you right or that's nitpicking and then pull someone else from that schedule and then continually move that value up the chain, right? How much value you're providing, how much you're getting paid. So um, again, lots we, of tools. We have a late, you know, we have a wait list and it's always been Google Docs and it's like, you know, so old school, but you know, whenever people want to get on, it's nice to have it actually in the calendar. Um, yeah. I'm going to, Sarah, I'm going to just defer to you and Joe to have a chat offline. Sarah's got a really big business. Um, she wants to know what it would look like for 32 single texts, what the schedule would look like. And she's got two locations that need separate data on. So we're not, I don't think we're necessarily entering into a full demo for you, Sarah. I'm sorry, but I'm going <laughs> to encourage you. I'll connect you with Joe and you can ask your specific questions with him yeah. um, off line and um yeah michelle i'm gonna let you chat with joe about okay awesome awesome thank you so much for joining us joe i'm super excited about the symposium coming up so i want you to talk about that um but first before we get to that i want to chat with you about you used to have an answering service a call center for your members that were service monster users tell us what that was like, the history of it, and why you don't do that anymore, and what you're focusing on next, and how important is it for somebody to be answering the phone for these guys? I think you and I have talked about that at, at nauseum with each other, but I want to share it with the, the users here, the listeners. Yeah, you just <laughs> loaded a whole talk deck. Um, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Service Monster started offering call center services that we called super agents. Mm -hmm. um, Man, at this point, I don't even remember exactly when. I want to say maybe 2014, 2015 is when we started it. And it went great. By any other business owner's metric, we were killing it. The margins were great. The clients were super happy. They were passionate about what we were doing for them. Um, people said that they were purchasing their sanity. That was one of my favorite quotes. Um, oh. Love it. Because we were really helping them grow business. We were focused in on the single owner operator up to a, you know, your first office hire, essentially letting you focus on building your tech team where your income actually comes from. Because <clears throat> that's a hard transition. And one I call Hell's Valley um, between <laughs> two and eight employees, maybe six, depending on how you're structured. Um, your job doesn't get easier. It gets harder. Like, you know, because then you have people calling in sick, you've got HR issues, you've got to constantly replace for attrition, like whatever those difficulties of employment are in, as an employer, um, sure. they're magnified when you have your first handful of employees. Once you get to six or eight, you have enough um, horsepower that you mm -hmm. can start to ease up a little bit. And at 10, then you're starting to get a little bit of um, structure, some organization in, and then you're able to really work and focus on the business instead of answering questions, working in the business, hopping in the truck and all that kind of stuff. So that's what Super Agents was focused on, uh, helping them through that transitionary period. And they loved it. And we were, you know, we were making 40 or 50 grand a month off that product. Um, but it was a distraction from what we really wanted to do, the core of our business. One of the reasons why we started is because we've seen five call centers rise and fall in 15 years. And they're, they're usually the same kind of deal. They get a handful of clients, maybe 10 or 12. Everybody's super excited. Everybody's doing a great job. Uh, and then you hit about 40 or 50 and everything falls apart. The pricing model doesn't work and they're not making very much money as a call center. 
um, the clients are getting more insistent on their custom scripts and uh, the way they want things done. And, and you can't maintain an employee pool that can have that arcane knowledge when you have that number of clients for that price point. And so we did all of that really well. Where we ran into distraction was HR, continual HR issues. Um, compared to my software portion um, or division, compared to the marketing department, compared to the support department, all of those departments, our tenure is like eight years. Like our average employee has been with us for a long time. Uh, although we recently hired a handful of new people, so that's skewing the numbers a bit, I'm sure. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I I just got tired of Eric, my COO, coming into my office every day and saying, well, they, you know, this person in the call center was late again and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, this is a distraction. I'm done with it. So I shut it down. <laughs> um, so we were successful from a business point of view, but, you know, software is what we do. And I did not want to have a hundred person call center. That just was not the, I mean, that's where I came from, from a development point of view, uh, I would run tech for call centers. And yeah. so um, seeing pink collars was such a breath of fresh air because you guys are doing it very well. Um, and you've been around for a while and it's really impressive in the wake of com five companies that we saw do it poorly and go under financial because of their financial struggles. And for us to move out of it, to say, yeah, I'm willing to give up that money on the table just because it's not our core focus, but for you guys to be able to maintain that. And you started virtual, right? So yeah. you, you had a whole different kind of gig and you're paying your people well, and you have boxes that they must fit in in order to provide them a great service. So yeah. uh, Michelle, you're doing a great job over there. I've always you. been impressed. No, with no, no. <laughs> no, thank you. No, I just, I think it's a really important service in the market and it's just something that it's hard to find. And like you said, in Hell's Valley, it's really hard to make that transition. And so we see a lot of our clients go through that transition and we call it graduating when they get to graduate and get an office person in person, like with their trucks and with their team and with their people. I love that part. I mean, I'm happy to move them through that process because there is something to be said about that for every business owner. Sometimes having them there is really important and I get it. I totally get it. So thank you so much. Uh, tell us about the symposium really quickly before I hand you off to Martha and she'll talk about culture and people, which is what her gig is. And she's yeah, one of my favorite so. parts. <laughs> I know, um, exactly. <laughs> symposium. Yeah, the symposium yeah. is um, a virtual event, live only. There's no recording. Um, so you will not be able to watch it later. We have gone to now three virtualized events forced into virtualization, obviously, because of the pandemic. Sure. And I was on the board of the IICRC for two years. I had a three-year term. I only did two because I couldn't get those old fogies to move on tech. This is back in 2012, <laughs> 2013. I laid it all out. Social, virtualization, where they should be. I even have a standing blog post that I wrote, which was an open letter to all associations. And I laid it all out for them. Wow. <laughs> and no one did jack shit about it. Err. And so, um, so these virtual shows are horrific. Like I want them to succeed because I want a booth at a great show. I want to, you know, yeah. service monsters always gone to trade shows <clears throat> and we love talking to people, meeting with them. You know, I love speaking and those experiences have been great. But the virtualization has been just awful because, number one, a lot of them do the pre-recorded thing, which isn't 
cool. Uh, there's no interaction there. There's no soul to that. And then post recording, the attendees decide that it's not valuable to show up on the days of the events. And so they can go watch it for the next year. And so you get no participation and engagement there. Look, we are in a pandemic. The reason why we're all in our homes right now, um, and in part, we're going crazy for that social interaction, that engagement with other human beings of peers. And so that's how we've kind of structured the show. A, I, don't, I could care less about the money grab. A lot of associations make giant amounts of money off the association. I'm not in it for that. We're giving 50% to uh, a kid's heart foundation. 50% goes in the lockbox to make next year's show better. I just want a great show so mm -hmm. I can put a booth there. And yeah. so we had to create it. <laughs> we just had to create it. Um, hopefully the associations will see what we're doing and they'll be able to kind of learn and grow from that and go, oh, that's what a, that's what a virtual show could look like. Um, and then, of course, improve upon that moving forward, because we're not going to get it perfect coming out of the gate either. But at least we know tech and at least we know how to pull people together. And so um, within 48 hours, we had 23, 22 speakers confirmed. Um, from the day that we invented it to the to the day that you know we started, we go, oh my gosh, this is going to be a real thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so we have a handful of vendors. There are two tracks. It's over three days. Um, it's uh, what five hours a day, and there's um, two speaker tracks. So you'll have to choose: do I go to this one or that one? And of course, you can bounce around. Um, there's virtual booths for vendors. We have a fight club booth that you guys will be manning if you come tear up businesses uh, <laughs> that they pop in and then you just rip them to shreds. Like that's one of my favorite parts. We did a live symposium um, a couple of years ago. And my favorite part of that is we would break the team. We break these people up into smaller groups. So there may be like four businesses around a table and then one coach or moderator. And we would basically speed date these businesses in a coaching platform. And you guys know as well as I do, service providers <laughs> love it when you smack them around. <laughs> That's just, <laughs> as long as you're truthful about yeah. calling them out, they they really appreciate that. Because um, unlike other businesses, it's really hard to succeed in this industry as, as a cleaner and grow a business. It's really, really hard. And so you have to have a really good, keen business sense. You had to get over yourself. Some level of introspection is definitely required. Um, and so, yeah, you know, the, the symposium is really there to guide people through this, give a little bit of uh, socialization or even have multiple rooms where people can just go hang out and bullshit. So um, that's kind of the deal. And then at the end of every day, we have like a service monster main event. Um, one will be doing a service monster demo. The other one, I'll be doing a, a live presentation and then we'll do like, you know, ceremonies at the end and so forth. So um, yeah, you can find it on our, uh, on our site, servicemonster.net. Um, it's all over the place. If you haven't registered, I would you know, encourage you to do so. Um, it's, we're very excited. We're very excited. <laughs> and then of course, Pink Collars, Michelle and Fight Club will all be there. Yeah, we're all going to be there at the party. I'm very excited. We will post the link to uh, all the listeners so they can see it very easily today. Well, appreciate so I'm going to hand you off to Martha. Thanks so much, Joe. <laughs> well, and hey, just to interrupt, just to interrupt briefly, we met Joe um, at the huge convention virtual happy hour. Uh, Fight Club was drinking, and uh, Joe was drinking from somewhere else, and so I'm glad. And that was a really not 
super well attended uh, happy hour. So um, I'm glad that you saw the the benefit and we saw the benefit and I'm looking forward to a lot more. Of that, that was literally, that was literally the hour that we started, uh, decided to do the symposium because I had wow. people at the, at our virtual booth, right? I was hanging out with you guys. When I popped back to that booth, they're like, this is not good. <laughs> and I'm like, let's do our own. And they were like, yeah. So that's, that's how that came to be. Martha, hello. Uh, hey, Joe, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm having some major FOMO because uh, for you listeners, Joe and I have talked and I am definitely planning to integrate quality driven with Service Monster. But Joe, if you remember in your infancy days, I have two developers and they are on projects and it's like, you know, you have a, a tick line on, okay, got to get this done, this done. So it is coming for all of you who use Service Monster or are looking to use Service Monster because we have quality driven users all the time that say, who do you integrate with? And, you know, that makes me feel good that they're looking at CRMs based on who it's easy to get the QDS data with. So um, it's coming. And uh, so by next year's booth, we'll have a quality driven booth, too, because we'll be integrated. So that's awesome. Um, you mentioned culture is your thing. And one of uh, them. Yeah, I'm passionate yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like it because, I mean, your, your length of employment there at Service Monster, I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of long-term people. And the only way that you have long-term people is that you treat them well. And uh, when you were talking about retention of clients and what you do to retain clients, I bet you have flip that switch and applied it to your employees as well. And uh, as far as you understand that nurturing your employees and treating them well and retaining them is equally as important. So uh, that's what I talk about all day long to people. But tell us a little bit about your take on culture. And again, that's that's a three-day course, but we're going to talk about it in a little nutshell. Yeah, I mean, leadership is hard. That's the crux of it, right? And so in order to be um, a leader in a, in a thriving, growing business, you have to be introspective. There's no other way around that. I hear service providers all the time bitching about, oh, these millennials don't want to work. You know what? You suck as a boss. They don't want to work for you. Like, this is the problem. And so once you kind of have that mental switch and you're like, oh, for instance, I forever, I do not see the organizational structure as a pyramid. It is a tree. I am in the dirt providing the nutrients and support to everybody doing the work. And so the leaves are what's important for the organization. Otherwise, we don't get no nutrients. And so, um, so that's part of the way I look at it. And leadership's always been fascinating to me, even as a little kid. Um, 
probably the worst thing I've ever done. In second grade, uh, I was hanging out with a really close friend and it was a very windy day and he had his umbrella and it almost ripped out of his hand. And uh, I got to thinking that we could use that umbrella to do some pretty cool things. We had this tower, like a <laughs> monkey tower that you could crawl up. I was like, dude, I bet you we could float down. <laughs> and so we went up that tower and it was a snowy day. You know, I thought we'd take it like Mary Poppins and glide over all the kids and land in the newly fallen snow. But I did not want to take that maiden voyage. I'm a scientist. Like I wanted some data first. And so I convinced my buddy, Chad, to take the first leap. And he's at the top and he's oh holding the umbrella God. and he's about ready to jump. And then he looks at me and he get and he, you know, the look, right? The, you're a leader. Tell me this is going to be okay. And I, and I just smiled and I was like, yeah, do it. Yeah. Um, and he jumped <laughs> And he didn't get too horribly hurt. He busted his lip. There was blood everywhere, but you know, not, not a huge deal. And I never got in trouble for that, but I learned two very important lessons that day. Um, one that, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a leader and um, two, that's dangerous. <laughs> that could be really dangerous. And so I felt like shit for weeks and it's still stuck in my head today. And, uh, and so, yeah, building teams, culture, you know, when I played sports, it was the same thing. People are messy. Engineering is easy. Like I'm a senior systems architect, the service monster is my architectural design. Um, I still have a passion for coding when you know, I have the time to, to throw down. Um, but software is easy. Chemistry is easy. It's predictable. You know, what's going to happen. People are way harder. And so, yeah, paying attention to them and their needs, um, a culture of growth, not relying on your grandfather's employee manual anymore, giving them why. Simon Sinek, right? Um, Start with why is an amazing book. Um, understanding how you put together an organization based off a, a, a culture that makes them feel not only empowered, but that they're moving towards a purpose, not just a paycheck. So. Yeah, love it. Love it. And we have a similar approach because uh, I'm very much in the course that I teach. The first thing is basically the introspective part. You know, what are you doing wrong? You, know, you quit blaming it on everybody else. And uh, that, you know, and I'm very um, blunt as well you know just uh, so it's not for everybody but uh you know I, I love that and i love the visualization of the tree yeah. that's really I, I that's very empowering to to visualize that and um i think that would really help people in understanding how you're there to nurture. I mean, first you have to make sure you have the right people in the right people you know, in the right seats. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but anyway, we could go on and on about culture, and I love it. But uh, we will wrap up. I don't know. Oh, we're doing pretty well. I mean, we're gonna. <laughs> we always say we're going to try for 30 minutes, Joe, but in reality, if we finish by 45, that's a thumbs up. So 
Yeah. So, so next, usually we go around and we assign homework and we leave it up to you as a guest if you'd like to contribute to this homework round or not. And if this is your first time joining Fight Club, remember, we only ask that you choose one homework assignment for this week. We're going to give you four or five options. You just need to do one to move your business forward by next week. Uh, we do have a Fight Club for Business group, Facebook group, where we will help hold you accountable to getting that homework done this week. And if you did one task every week that we recommend on Fight Club, you would be amazed at the amount of progress that you can make in just a very short amount of time. So um, usually we just go in order. And Joe, if you want to jump in at the end, by all means, jump in. And, um, and if not, no pressure at all. So we're going to start with Tay. Oh, oh, you're muted, audio. Tay. Have your audio. <laughs> not muted, but. Okay. Like, there you okay. are. My other mic. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Just <laughs> It's been a hectic day with this Wi-Fi. I apologize. <laughs> so marketing homework is going to be to kind of switch instead of to the external or external kind of bringing in customers. I want you guys to focus on your internal customers, the people you already have. Go ahead and whether it's a postcard, uh, whether it's a, you know, an email campaign, even if it, you only have like 10 to 15 clients and you actually personally call them just to check in, see how they're doing. Take the time this week to make an effort to contact your current client base and then also figure out a way that you're going to be able to continue that. Make sure it's something that's sustainable that you can do month after month or you know every quarter, whatever you choose to do for your business that isn't just going to fall off the radar at the end of this week. Awesome. And I'm going to kind of piggyback on that. Um, we, we talk a lot about KPIs on this show, or at least, I know well, all of us do actually. And we talk a lot about metrics and we talk about dashboards and we talk about goal setting and, you know, tracking where you are and where you're going. But today was really interesting because we've never talked about what is the number of returning customers you have on your schedule and new customers you have on your schedule? And what is that mix or that blend? So your homework assignment is, I'd like you to look at last month. I'd like you to just start with one month worth of data and see what was that percentage. And um, if you're having a hard time doing the math or if you're struggling with figuring out, well, how do I really know? It's gonna be kind of complicated. It's gonna be really manual. Then I encourage you to check out Service Monster because it sounds like that's something that they really, really um, focus on in their CRM is that data. So um, that's gonna be your homework assignment. If one month freaks you out and that's too much, you can do a shortcut and you can do one week, but I'd like you to see the percentage mix. You, all you have to do is look at your calendar and look at those names on that calendar. Are they a new customer, first time customer, or are they a returning customer? And kind of get a sense of your, your current mix of what's happening with your schedule. That is your finance homework for this week. And your systems and operations homework is to check out Service Monster Symposium. It's the 10th through the 12th of December. I really want people to attend. We've had some of our actually past guests that have been here on Fight Club as speakers. So Dan Plata, uh, everybody's favorite Disney princess, Bobby Walker is going to be speaking. A lot of cool, fun people. Um, Ryan Kettering, Josh Latimer, Brandon Vaughn, all these awesome people. So please go check it out. It's going to be really valuable. Um, and we will be there too. So it'll be really fun. And I will put the link as your homework today. <laughs> awesome. And people homework. I loved that visual visualization of the tree. So I want you to think of your company and you as a leader, are you the trunk? Are you the base? And what are you doing leadership wise 
to help that tree grow. And I know it's fall, but we're going to visualize green <laughs> leaves that aren't dead. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But I want you to look at it from a different perspective. I've never looked from top down either, but I never had that visualization. So I love that. And I want you all to take that and do some introspective work on are you serving as the trunk and the roots? The roots, yeah. I love that, Joe. Like that's gonna yeah. haunt, that's gonna stick with me for a long time. Yeah. Um, we just redid our org chart and we did like the standard bubbles. I'm gonna redo it and I'll post it in the groups because that will hold me accountable. That is a really good visual. So I'm picturing like the divisions of your company as the branches, and then you've got yeah, you've got your your lead branches and your I don't know. I'm not gonna get scientific because I'm an accountant. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> Joe, do you want to throw in some homework? Yeah, um, maybe a little more than the next week or so, but a book challenge. So let me okay. give you two or three books that you can dial in if you haven't read them already. I mentioned one already, Simon Sinek, Start With Why. Um, excellent book. Uh, he's got a lot of YouTube videos out there too if you want to get a bite in his personality. <laughs> he has and he has a follow-up book so a lot of people do the start with why and they don't go the next step so i'm just gonna step on your toes for a second and say check out the sequel which is find your why and it actually has the exercises in the book to help you define your own why so start with why tells you the why and then then find your why tells you the how so i'm just gonna throw that out there Sorry, excellent <laughs> if you've already read that or simon's not your cup of tea um the other big one that most people suggest is emith revisited, especially for service providers, systematizing your business as a franchise, even if you never intend to franchise, is an amazing way to make sure that you've got all your systems in place. Um, and then the third one, which is not on anybody else's suggested reading list, Sons of the Art of War. Um, this is a philosophy <laughs> book. I am a big philosophy buff, comes with the introspection territory. And uh, it's not a book you read um, one chapter at a time. You read it one paragraph a day, and then you kind of mull it over and kick it around. So those, any of those three books that you want to dive into, The Art of War can be more casual in that it doesn't require you to sit down in the corner and read it or um, put on an audio book and try to absorb it. Instead, you read a handful of little paragraphs, and then you let that play in your mind. So that would be my, my suggestion, my offering. Awesome. Good. We do have a quote and I, I loved it. I thought it was actually quite appropriate and I will make sure to post it today. Um, it's by Ralph Marston. There are plenty of difficult obstacles in your path. Don't allow yourself to become one of them. Mm. Love that love one. It. So get out of your own way today. Everything is your fault. Everything is. <laughs> so true. <laughs> well, thank well you have a great coming. week. Thank you, Joe, for coming. And thank we'll you for you inviting me. All right. Love Go it. Bye. Okay. Bye, bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Have a Thanks, great day. Joe. Okay. Connect with Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.